So what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Foods Farm Podcast. We got a really special episode today. It's with Boomer from Boomer's Bees. And Boomer, you came out to the farm probably about two weeks ago now, right? Yes, yeah, about two and a half weeks ago. Yes, sir. When Boomer came out, we were uh, we were talking a lot. We did a lot. I was learning a lot about bees from him, kind of asking questions from him. And we both actually forgot to pick up our cameras because, you know, just when you're, you know, you're, you're talking with somebody and you're learning a lot, you just, you know, kind of forget. And I was thinking, you know what? I was learning a lot about bees because that's something that we might be getting into. And I said, let's let's bring you on the podcast. Let's introduce you to everybody. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link to Boomer's channel right up here in the, in the as an iCard. So go subscribe to him and uh, go check out his Instagram as well. It's, he's got some pretty funny videos that he puts on his Instagram and some really educational ones on the, the YouTube. So Boomer, question, how did you get into bees? So it was probably about uh, three years ago, uh, actually probably a little bit more and probably about uh, three and a half, four now. Um, I just kind of went down one of those uh, late night YouTube wormholes and, um, you know, you watch a couple of videos and then, you know, one of the suggestion things pops up and a video you might like. And I can remember it was uh, a guy named Ian Stepler uh, from, it's like a Canadian beekeepers blog and he's a commercial beekeeper in, in Canada. And I, he, he's only a, a honey producer, so he doesn't do the big pollination stuff. And, you know, I kind of liked how he was making his videos and I was like, you know what, I don't really have a hobby, you know, other than, other than sports. And so I was like, you know, this might be something that I, that I'd be interested in doing. And so I went to a couple, uh, beekeeping conventions there's a couple of them here down in south texas and and i went and i saw i was like you know i might as well just dive right in so i bought it and i was like well there's no looking back now they're coming in april whether i like it or not uh this this you know i guess a year and a half ago now and i said well i better get ready i've already bought already bought the uh the bees and i better get the equipment and 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 go to work so that's an interesting story. So you just you just jumped right in, learned from YouTube, went to a couple couple conferences. Now, if somebody is looking to possibly get into bees, what would be like some of the main tips that you would give them? Because I, I have no idea, but it's something that we're kind of kind of tossing around here, especially after you coming out to visit. Uh, the first thing, you know, I would I would you know do what I did watch watch YouTube. There's a there's a ton of great information on YouTube. Just just typing in, you know, how to do backyard beekeeping, you know, and then you can, you can venture off uh, from there. But uh, more of the, I guess, intricacies of beekeeping is I would always, I would, but if I were going to start out, I would, I would uh, highly suggest someone buy more than one hive because uh, it's very beneficial to, uh, to help each other, you know, use one hive to help another hive. And, and it, it allows you to spend more time in the hives. Um, you know, because once you go through one, obviously you're going to go through the other. So it allows you to uh, to learn and 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 be able to put your hands uh, inside the hive, the frames, doing all those. And that's the, really the only way you learn, unless you're going to go take some classes where you're doing a lot of hands-on learning. Um, you can read as many books as you possibly want on beekeeping, and all that goes out the window whenever you dive into the hive. And so. Um, you know, I read two or three books and as soon as I got in there the first time, it was kind of like, what am I looking at? I have no clue. And, and, and that's kind of how I try to keep my YouTube channel. It's like, if you're seeing something for the first, if I'm seeing something for the first time, I'm letting you guys know that I'm seeing it for the first time. And it's kind of one of those, uh, vlogs that I try to, you know, whatever happens on the, you know, whatever happens while I'm out there is, Hey, you're, you're seeing what you get. I'm making mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. Um, but it's fun. I, I enjoy doing it. And, uh, for, for people that are doing new, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Like I made a huge mistake my first year and, you know, I, I talked to you about it for a little bit and it's like, well, I'll never make that mistake ever again, even if I have a hundred hops. And so, uh, it's just kind of learning by, by failing and, and then, and continuing to move forward. What was that mistake that you, you, I know what it is, but tell everybody a little bit about what, what was the big mistake that you made that you, nobody else should do if you if they're starting now so i got my bees uh that last week of of april a year ago and 
they everyone you know you get the it's called a five frame nucleus so what a nucleus is is a nucleus colony it's a it's a little bit it's more established in a package so there's different kind of 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 bees that you can buy you can buy a package of bees where they just dump a whole bunch of bees into a box and they put a queen in there and where there's no frames nothing you're providing all the frames and everything well when you buy a nucleus uh, it's a five frame already established colony. It's already has a laying queen. The queen's already laying eggs. Um, the bees that are in there are from the queen. And so it's an established colony that's just been knocked down just a little bit. And so then they put them in this smaller box. You go, you pick them up and then you come out and you just take those five frames and you put them in your hive. And so those have a lot better acceptance rates than uh, the package of bees that don't have any frames. You're dumping them into a box that, that doesn't have any frames drawn out. And so it takes them a little bit longer to get going. So the mistake that I made was I bought a, a, a five frame nucleus. I put it into, I have, I use all 10 frame equipment. So there's different size equipment that you can use. So I use all 10 frame equipment. And what I did was you take five of those frames out uh, that are in that brand new box because you're obviously you're putting in those nucleus uh, frames that are in there and what you're supposed to do to help them draw out those other new frames because it's just a plastic uh, foundation on there and then they have to draw out their their comb off of that plastic foundation just kind of gives them a guide well you're supposed to feed them sugar water uh, you know until they can complete it you know that's what they use to to build their wax and and use the use the wax to build a comb as they use sugar water. Well, they, they, they told me, well, you just, just feed them. If they, if they keep, if they keep drinking it down, just give them some more. Well, for some reason I heard you needed to, to fill up a whole gallon. Uh, you know, I use these gallon feeders, or these uh, basically like a five gallon bucket, but just a little bit shorter into one gallon. So um, what I didn't know were bees were hoarders. So I kept putting a gallon of sugar water on top of them and they just kept sucking it down so i was like man i got in there the first week i was like man these guys are going to work they are absolutely crushing this hive they're building comb like crazy but all the sugar water's gone well i'm gonna feed them again so i did it again i put another gallon on the next weekend same thing they're absolutely crushing it they're filling all the frames out the comb's starting to get a little thicker uh the queen's starting to lay eggs and all that new comb uh they're starting to bring in some food and some honey. I'm going to give them another one. So I give them another one. And same thing. I go in there the following week. I'm like, this thing is packed out. All right. I need to, I need to start putting on uh, another. It's about time for me to put on another box so they can start uh, doing it again. And so I put on another box to make it two full boxes of frames. So I'm like, okay, I'll just feed them. And then they'll just start doing the same thing up top. Well, that's not what happened. So I put another gallon on. So this is the fourth gallon in one month. And what they do is as soon as the queen would, would uh, lay an egg and that egg would, uh, would emerge about, you know, 22, 23 days later, they would fill that hole immediately with the sugar water instead of, instead of putting another egg in there and using the sugar water to uh, draw out the second box, they would just fill back. They call it backfilling. Well, when that happens, the queen has nowhere to lay and she becomes honey bound. Well, when they become honey bound, um, they make a new queen. And then that's when you see swarms. So usually you see swarms when either something happens in the hive and they create uh, emergency cells because the queen's not doing her job. Well, then she leaves and takes about 70%. Well, in this case, they were honey bound. She didn't have anywhere to lay. So they made a queen cell and, or a swarm cell. She left and then, you know, a couple weeks later, that new queen came in. And so what I found out after the, after the fact was I was only supposed to feed a gallon over the course of a month. And so you're supposed to feed them, you know, a quart a week Well, I was feeding them a gallon a week. And so <laughs> one, it was costing me a lot of money to feed one hive of bees. And then two, you know, I learned a very valuable mistake because I went in there the, the fifth week and I go, well, where'd all the bees go? You know, it was like an empty, almost, you know, there was about 30% left in there, but I was like, this hive was booming. What happened? I can't find the queen. The queen that's marked is not in here. I'm struggling to find it. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and then I found, you know, one of my buddies who's a commercial beekeeper, they were like, yeah, you're, she's gone. She left. 
you fed her way too much. And so I was like, well, what do I do now? He's like, well, it's an all waiting game. Now the new queen's got to emerge. She's got to go off. She's got to be mated. And then you got to hope that she's uh, mated good. And then you got to hope like a dragonfly doesn't eat her or a bird doesn't eat her. And then she's got to come back. And then you got to see and give her time to start laying eggs. And that whole process from queen cell to her have laying an egg until that egg's emerging is about 60 days. So you're like, oh, two months. You know, it just puts you behind about two months. And so I was like, well, if I want to get into the honey business, I better not make that mistake again. Wow. 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 Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting mistake. I didn't know it took two months for a queen to emerge and really start. Yeah, it's right around, it's right around 60 days because when they lay a queen is about 18 to 20 days uh, before, when they make a, a queen cell. So just a normal egg, they just started feeding it a little bit different. They feed it Royal jelly. It makes a little bit uh, bigger of a, of a comb um, or a cell, I, I would say. And then once she emerges, and usually they make more than one queen cell. So once she emerges, she goes around and kills all the other ones that are still in the cells. And so she goes and kills them and then she flies off to be mated. Well, then once she's mated, hopefully she returns back to the hive that she left from and then she can start laying eggs. And then, you know, it's about a 20, four 25 day process for a regular honeybee to be born. So it's, you know, 18, 24, you're, you're looking at 40 to 60 days somewhere in there of making and seeing new eggs uh, emerge in your hive. Interesting. Wow. So, so someone that's looking into getting into beekeeping that, you know, like for me, I'm very hesitant to do it because I don't want to get stung. You know, it's like, you know, you hear about all these bees that, you know, you get stung a bunch of times and the bees are mean. What do you have to say to somebody like that? You know, that's that's a little bit hesitant to jump in. Well, up until I bought my first hive, I am I'm still to this day, I am scared to death of flying insects. And, I, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable uh, around bees. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being more a little bit more adventurous and a little daring and and. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I kind of hope it stings me so that I can, you know, feel it. But I'm telling you, up until a year ago, if anything flew around me, flew up into my face, like it was panic. It was freak out, you know, wasp. I hate wasp. Um, bees, I really didn't kind of mess around. But anytime they would kind of come around, I'd kind of freak out and get out of there. Uh, the one thing about the, the protective gear is I've never been stung through the protective gear. Wow. And so when I first got in there, it, it, it put my mind at ease. I was relaxed, you know, cause I, I, I did, I spent a little money because same thing. I was scared. I was like, you know, I'm doing this and I, well, how am I doing this? You know, my my family was even like, what are you doing? You're scared to death of flying insects. What are you doing? And I got that protective gear and it just kind of put my mind at ease. And so I would say, spend the money on the protective gear. If you're scared, because it's not going to, they're not going to sting you through, uh, you know, the protective gear and let now, if you mess up and you get too close to the, you know, the veil gets on your face. Yeah. They could sting you through there. But if you're, I always wear a, a baseball hat that keeps it off, no matter what, it's going to keep it off of my face. And so, you know, if, if I don't want to get stung, then I gear up and, and I'm not going to get stung. But, you know, here recently I've, I've started venturing out and using these thin gloves so that I could be a little bit more careful inside the hive. And, and I've gotten stung a couple times in my hands and it hurt. I mean, it still hurts, uh, but it's not as bad as I, I really thought it was going to be. Interesting. So if somebody, you know, is you, you talked about the protective gear and you talked about, you know, getting multiple hives to start with. If somebody is looking to get in, you know, get into this, what do you think they need to buy? So I would buy a, a nucleus colony. Like I said, uh, it's an established hive, especially if you're wanting to uh, get a honey crop the first year. Mm. And so uh, right now is kind of the time to, you know, people put in their orders back in, in December and, and, January and February. And, and now is when those nucleus hives are being distributed. Um, I'm sure there's several places out there that are, that are still open to selling nucleus colonies, you know, but a lot of the upper end, you know, 
not I would not say famous places, but more well-known beekeepers in in Texas have pretty much probably close to selling out all those nucleus hives because they they they've done it for so long they kind of know well we're going to only make 200 hives this year and when we sell out you know because they're everyone's pre-ordering and so they know exactly how many hives they're going to have but there are still several places around uh throughout the year where you can buy a nucleus colony and those are those are pretty much going to survive you know if you just take care of them a little bit because they're already established. They already have a laying queen in there. If, if you don't do anything to mess them up, uh, you know, they're, I always say bees have been around, around a lot longer than I've ever lived. And so they, I'm the only one that's going to mess them up. And so if I just kind of take it easy and, and let them work, you know, more times than not, they're going to figure it out more than me helping them out. I'm usually the one uh, causing a detriment to their hive. So buy a nucleus colony, what about boxes? What about a bee suit? Like what, 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 what else do you think people need? Like you so, need a smoker thing or. Yeah. Know? So the, the, the ProVent bee suit, you know, that's the one that I had the, I believe it's called the ultra breeze uh, ProVent bee suit. I bought it from, from Man Lake, uh, which is it's M A N N L A K E. Uh, and there, I believe they're out of Minnesota, but they do have, in Marshall, Texas. So kind of close to you, they have a a store in Marshall, uh, a beekeeping supply store in Marshall, and they're kind of the big name uh, supplier in the United States. Um, For me, my preference is I like 10 frame equipment, 10 frame deeps. And so you hear a lot of different, you have deeps, you have shallows, you have medium boxes, they're all different sizes. So you have the deep, which is the big one, then a medium is a little, they call mediums are usually honey supers, Though if you ever hear someone say supers, that's usually what they're talking about is mediums. And then you have what's called shallows, uh, which are usually used for honey as well. Uh, but I, I like to use all 10 frame deep equipment so that I'm not having to ever uh, exchange things or, you know, well, I can't use this frame here because it's a medium or a shallow. So all my frames are deeps. All my boxes are deeps so that if one hive needs food or needs eggs or needs more bees, I can just take one frame and I can just put it in the other. And so for me, it's been easy as especially learning where I'm all using the same equipment. You know, I'm using all deep, all 10 frame equipment and it's allowed me like, okay, I'm I'm missing a frame. Okay. I'll just go buy a 10 frame deep where I'm not having to exchange and, and make special orders just to, uh, fill in a frame in one of the hives and then you definitely need a smoker that should be probably the first thing that you buy after uh the bees is a smoker because i would highly suggest you never mess with bees unless you have a smoker what does that do so the smoker it signifies a fire and so uh i use pine needles and you know you're just making a lot of smoke inside you're continuing to to cram in the pine needles, you light them and then you just, you keep stuff, uh, shoving them in. And then it just, it smokes for, you know, 30 or 40 minutes. Once you, once you get the, the system right. Well, what it does is it signifies a fire, you know, in their natural war world. And it makes them gorge themselves because, you know, back, you know, no, I wouldn't say hundred years ago, but when they were just living in trees or, or living in barns or whatever, if there's a fire, they have to have resources to go and make a new hive if their house is going to be destroyed. And so with the fire, it makes them gorge themselves on the honey and the nectar and the pollen and everything. And so just like me and you, what happens when you eat a lot of food and your stomach's full? What do you want to do? Sleep. I want to be lazy and just kind of mose around. I want to go sit on the couch. And so they're not as aggressive when you smoke them. You know, there are hives that are, that are, you know, that are, that are super aggressive. It doesn't matter how much smoke you put on them. They're going to go crazy, but their main line of defense is fire smoke. I'm going to go eat because the, the, the hive needs resources to go make a new colony if they're having to leave. And so it just kind of signifies and, and kind of starts that process of, oh no, our house is on fire. I need to go eat because we're about to have to vacate. Wow. And so it's, it's just kind of one of those things that, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know who started doing it, but it does. It, I mean, it, it'll, you open up a hive and you'll see them 
you know, even in my videos, I'll hold, I'll hold up a frame after I've smoked the hive and there'll be a, a ton of bees inside the comb eating the honey. The, 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 the Lorax or whatever the, I, I don't know the parts of the bee yet, but the, they're basically their bottom half is the only thing sticking out of the cell because they're gorging themselves uh, on the, either the nectar or the honey that's inside the cell. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very wild and very interesting. That's really, really cool. Now, the other question that everybody always has is when they're looking at any kind of business or starting any kind of hobby, it's one time and two money. What does it cost to get into, what do you think it would be cost wise to get into bees? So with the two hives that I bought and all of the equipment that I bought, you know, I, I spent a little bit top of the line stuff with my bee suit. Like I said, I was pretty scared. And to get in and to have two hives and to start with two hives, it was right around seven hundred dollars oh, total wow. to get in. That's and not so, that's not as much as I thought at all. No, so I bought the two nucleus hives for right around uh, two seventy five, mm-hmm. and so I, I bought those two. So you know you're spending about five hundred dollars just on the nucleus hives. That's that the bees are really or. To start off, the the bees are really your most expensive thing. And then as you get going, your equipment is the most expensive thing. Because at the very start, I didn't buy a lot of equipment. I bought, uh, I think I bought to to start off four deep boxes. So that really wasn't my big expense. The bees were my big expense. Now, going forward, because I can make, I've already established the hives that I have. And I can, I'm about to make splits where now I'm, I'm starting to, multiply my hives out well now the big expense is going to be all of the um inventory that i have all the boxes all the frames um things of that nature and so the the suit is about a hundred dollars usually you can find it on sale for about a hundred hundred and ten dollars and then smokers about eight or nine dollars ten dollars sixteen dollars if you get the high priced one um, a hive tool, you know, to move the frames around, you know, to, it just kind of helps you pick them up, move them because they get all gummed up. And then uh, smoker, I just said a smoker, those boxes, the boxes probably if you were to, you know, they have those beekeeping kits now where it, it gives you a whole single story hive ready for you to roll. And those are if you buy them completely built out for you, I mean, you can buy them unassembled, but if you buy them completely built out everything they're about $120 but I got all mine unassembled because I can just put them together and those are about you know 70 or 80 dollars and so I only needed yeah I only needed two of them that had a lid on them and then I just bought extra boxes with frames and that's about 40 dollars 40 or 50 dollars so I would say the total was right around seven eight hundred dollars to kind of get started uh with those two hives Oh, interesting. So it's a lot less than I thought. I thought it was yeah. going to be, you know. Yes, I'm, I'm probably, you know, being a year and a half, almost two years, I'm probably only about $1,000 into it. Wow. Wow. And that's, that's, buying all the, that's buying all the expensive stuff, yeah. brand new, never, I didn't buy anything that was used. I bought it all. I mean, there's tons of people across the state, across the country that are selling used equipment. Um, but I, I, you know, I wanted to buy everything new and, and kind of make it my own. And, and so that's, that's just, I had money saved up and I just kind of dove into it. There we go. So the time commitment with this, is this something that you have to go check the bees every day, once a week, you know, how, how often do you actually get in there and mess with them? I usually get in about twice a month. Okay. Yeah. So not very much, not very much at all. Uh, you know, if, you know, I live a little, a, a little far away from them. And there's a, there's a happy medium on how much you should disturb them, right? If you really want them to produce and you want them to continue to grow, then you have to, you have to stay away from them for a while, because the more you get in, the more they're going to be stressed out. And when they're not, when they're stressed out, the queen's not laying eggs, they're not bringing in pollen. They're not bringing in nectar, which is going to create your honey. And so you want to really kind of stay off. But at the same time, if you stay off too long, then they're going to overpopulate. Then they're going to leave and they're going to swarm and then they have to continue to rebuild. Because what they'll do, if you just keep that box out there, they'll grow to a certain point and then 70 percent of the hive will leave. 
And then 30% will stay. They'll make a new queen and they'll do the same thing over again. Then they'll populate out and they'll get too big. 70% will leave. And, you know, it'll, it'll, they'll just continue to, to, to reproduce, reproduce, reproduce until, you know, there's no, you know, there's no stopping it. And then the only good thing about that is you have the genetics in the area because they're not going to fly off, you know, more than two or three miles. They're going to be a pretty local. And, and that's kind of what, that's kind of, it's not always bad to have those swarms and have bees leaving because those bees stay in the area. They stay in the trees or they go to a neighbor's barn. You know, you might not want them, but they stay in the local area. And so when you have queens, if you're going to be a queen breeder or a supplier, or you're going to be a, a bee uh, in the bee business of, of selling bees, you want your local stock being made up of your bees so that you know what the genetics are. Cause that's kind of, you know, you have a big thing with Africanized bees, which is, you know, you don't really want Africanized bees that are super aggressive. Um, and that's kind of the, those are kind of the bad name bees that everyone kind of thinks honeybees are because they've heard Africanized bees and, you know, it's really, it is prevalent, but it's not as prevalent as people make it out to be. So you want to keep, so it's not a bad thing for your bees to go off and swarm. That's a, that's a pretty cool uh, thing. I would, I would, you know, just being someone that knows nothing about bees, I think you'd want to keep them as many as you can. Yeah. It will. And so when you're a small beekeeper and you don't have many hives, you don't want them to swarm because then you're, they're not producing you any honey. They're continuing to rebuild instead of focusing on going out and producing honey for you. But I would say if you have a lot of hives, you know, it's not bad for three, four, five hives a year to swarm because now they're putting your genetics in the local area. How much honey does one hive produce a year on, on average? Well, it, it depends on where you're at in the country. And so, you know, East Texas is a good producer, you know, kind of the Palest Palestine and South, you know, in certain parts of the year, they have what's called a tallow tree. And that comes in, you know, May, early June. And a lot of beekeepers from around the country come to East slash Southeast Texas for one, the, the tallow tree and then the wildflower. So if you look up in Houston area or like Houston to Beaumont and then like North, North, Northeast, that whole area is full of wildflowers and people from all around the country, they come to make a honey crop in that, I guess, Southwest or Southeast part of the state during the wildflower bloom. And they'll probably make 120, 150 pounds of honey per hive. Whoa. So one hive, uh, one box, excuse me, one 10 frame box fully full of honey is about 90 to 100 pounds. Wow. And so usually for that month, month and a half that those wildflowers are blooming and the tallow trees blooming, they get about a box or a box and a half, maybe two boxes if it's a good year. So they can produce anywhere from about 100 to 200, depending on the year, per hive of, of honey. And then, you know, a lot of people go up to uh, North Dakota to the canola fields. And so you, you look at, you could look at pictures up there of, of, of hives, and there might be five, six, seven boxes on top of a hive. And so you just think of 700, they could, each hive could make, you know, a ton of honey, you know, just based on where they are located. So for me last year, I probably, I, and I, I let the bees uh, keep all the honey last year. I, one, cause I was, I was trying to learn how to, to, to be a beekeeper Two, I wanted to get both of my hives through the winter. And so I was, I, I was very fortunate that I didn't take any honey because of that winter storm that came about two weeks ago, they had plenty of, or I guess about a month ago, two months ago now or whatever, they were able to use all the stores that I left them, which I left, you know, a box, box and a half for each hive. Well, normal year, you know, that's probably too much. I could have taken a lot of it. They wouldn't have eaten all through it. Well, something like that happened this year where they're not able to leave the hive for a full week. Well, they just destroyed a lot of those, uh, stores. And if you look around the state, people lost 
tons of hives. And really? most of those hives uh, were lost because they froze or not, not because they froze, but because they starved because there wasn't enough, there wasn't any food for them because they had to eat all their stores because they couldn't go out and forage because everything was covered in a foot of snow. Wow. 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 So yeah. during the winter time, the bees stay alive by eating their honey. Yeah. So they eat all the stores that they collect or the food that you've fed them, whether it's sugar water in the fall, you know, cause you can take honey in two different times. There's a spring flow and there's usually a fall flow. And, you know, kind of the, the basic terms is people, uh, you want to let the bees keep the fall flow. You take them in the spring and, and, and then you let them keep whatever they have in the fall plus feeding so that you can get them through uh, the wintertime because you never know something like this happening. So what's the rule of thumb, how much honey that you should leave? If they produce, you know, 90 pounds of box. Should you take 40%? You should you take 60% or, you know, just take the, the, the spring or like you were saying, and just leave the fall. Yeah. And so for me, that's kind of my thought process is, is take the spring mm -hmm. and then feed them because you don't want them to starve off after you've taken the honey from them in the spring. So you take their spring honey from them, which, you know, ends about early June. And then you feed them to keep them alive and, and allow them to store some, some food back up because the summer months, you know, there's no flow, there's no flowers really out, especially here in, in Texas. Uh, it's, it's what's called the dearth. It's just, there's no, there's no flowering nectar plants. Uh, that are out there. And so several hives can starve off during that time if you don't feed them and, and keep track of them. Well, then the fall comes and there's another fall flow. You have all those fall flowers that come out with that are nectar producers. And then you just kind of let them take everything after that. And then if they're not, you know, if you get later in the fall and they don't really have that much, you know, that many stores. And what I, what I consider a, a, a good uh, reference is if they have a whole box of food, if they have 90 pounds of food uh, that they're going to be able to make it easily. And that's probably a little too much. I'm just being a little cautious on that end. Uh, but if they have a box of food, they, they'll have no problem uh, making it through the wintertime. And if they don't have a box, you can always late feed them. So you can, you can feed them with, with, with the sugar water. You can make it a little bit thicker uh, so that it doesn't uh, ferment in the hive being being thin and having water and, and sugar and all that kind of stuff and so having that uh, for them in the late fall if they didn't find enough nectar or they didn't find enough pollen uh, later in the fall to get them through this through the winter time then you can supplement that with with your own feed so it really is like an art you know it's not just oh go you know put some bee boxes out there and go collect the honey when it's full you have to you really have to manage them properly or you know, like you said, people lose a lot of hives. That's, that's sad. Yes. Yeah. Most of the time, you know, most of the time, uh, hives are lost through the winter time, uh, through starvation. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you were saying that people take their hives down to, you know, the Houston Beaumont area and they take them up to North Dakota. So you, so people are really moving bees around. It's not just, you know, here, here's where you go. Here's your box. Explain that a little bit. So, the, you know, there's, there's multiple things that you can do. Um, there's multiple sources of, of revenue that you can make from, from beekeeping. You know, you can be a pollinator. You know, the, the big moneymaker in beekeeping is, is pollinating the almond, the almond orchards in California in February. You know, that's a, that's a big revenue for a lot of commercial guys is they pack up all their hives, thousands of hives. They ship them to California, stick them in the almond orchards for a couple of weeks, and then they bring them back you know, to wherever they're at for, you know, to rest and to make splits and, and to double their, um, double their inventory, or they can either sell it off or they can use, you know, all those bees that they just doubled, you know, because when they go off to California, there's really no nectar, but there's a lot of pollen from uh, the orchards. Well, when you have a lot of pollen, it stimulates the queen. And what she does is she just lays like crazy. So whenever they leave the almond orchards, it's time for them to split. And so if you have a thousand hives in the orchards, you can bring them back to your property and just literally take the boxes off and use one box, put it over here, put a new queen in it. And now you've got 2000 hives and you can do that for each one of them because she just goes crazy and lays in both boxes. So 
you can use those 2,000 hives then and travel down to southeast Texas or and even in, you know, into east Texas as well. Um, I would say up until about the, the I-20 corridor, so from about I-20 all the way down to Beaumont over to I-30, I-45. I would say that whole kind of piney woods area is, is very good. And a lot of beekeepers, after they make splits, take to get a, a spring wildflower honey with those hives that they just uh, made. And then, wow. you know, once that happens in June, early June, uh, they'll usually keep them there until late July. And then late July happens, and then that's when all the canola fields are starting to bloom in North Dakota, South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, a little bit into Kansas, Wisconsin. So all those canola fields are going on up there. They go up there, and that's another honey crop for them. And then wow. – yeah, and so those commercial guys, they'll they'll go to the canola fields. Well, then they won't bring their hives back home. They'll ship them to uh, Idaho or to Montana or Wyoming to these massive sheds. And so then they'll keep their bees inside during the wintertime so that they're not bringing them back to all parts of the country and having them suffer uh, the coldness of wherever they're from. And so that's kind of the new thing in commercial beekeeping is, is sending your bees to these massive sheds in high, in Idaho so that they can, you know, stay alive. You'll, you'll have more hives come out of those sheds than you will have them come through a regular wintertime. Wow. Yeah. What does that do for like, does that, does moving them around, um, you know, affect the health of the bees at all? It does cause a lot of stress and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what all of the, the scientific realm of, of the beekeeping world. And like I said, I'm, I'm very new to this. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning all the time, you know, but it, it does put a lot of stress uh, on the bees and, you know, they're, they're at times they're, it's called colony collapse disorder. And they're, tr they're, they're trying to, I guess, pinpoint that this is the reason. And I'm not sure if it is or if it isn't, um, but it does cause a lot of stress you know, but at the end of the day, there are, I mean, 70% of what we eat is pollinated by, by honeybees. And so for those guys to, you know, go around and, and do that, you know, it's, 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 it's a part of life, but it's also a detriment at the same time. No, oh, interesting. Yeah. So is, is somebody just wants to, you know, go out and put a hive because you don't right now, you're not moving them around. You just, have no, they're just, yeah, people. they're just at our, at our land. And, you know, I, I could, I, 150 pounds is, is plenty of, of honey. You know, if you're just a local guy, you're giving it to your friends and family, um, a little bit for yourself, 100, 100 to 150 pounds of honey is, is, is a lot for, for one person. But if you're trying to make some money off of it, you, you know, you need a good, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 hives uh, to be able to sell that, you know, if you're going to go to a farmer's market or, or something like that. And then, you know, you get to, two, three, 400, 500, you know, then you can sell it by the barrel to, you know, certain breweries or, you know, people that, that buy in bulk. So what is the, what, so a pound of honey around here, about a little over $10. That's a, uh, that's probably about the average price that I've seen just local honey. Is that, does that sound about right? Yeah. I would say anywhere from, from about eight to, to $10 would be about it. So are you harvesting about 120 pounds or is that part of the, 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 the poundage that you're leaving for the bees? No, you would, you know, so like I said, about 90, 90 pounds in a, in a deep box, you know, you would just take, you would take that deep box and some of that weight comes from the comb. So I would say you probably get out of the hive. Let's say if the, if the whole, if the whole box weighs about 90 pounds, I would say the, you would get probably 60 pounds, 70 pounds of actual honey. So that translates into, you know, somewhere six, $700. So you can yeah. basically make your investment back with one oh, very, hive and very. then, you know, double it with two hives. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you could sell everything that you have and, and, and make a, make a profit off of Interesting. that. Interesting. That, that yeah. sounds like a really good deal. Yeah. And so, so I would say to, to be able to, I mean, it would take you a couple of years with two hives to, to get your money back, mm -hmm. you know, 
But if you had four or five, six hives, and I, I mean, you're making your money back plus some fairly quickly. That's interesting. So which route are you going to take? Do you know yet? Are you going to, are you going to ship the bees? Are you going to, you know, kind of produce for your local? How, how big do you see yourself getting? Well, you know, I would, I would eventually, I'd love to, to be, you know, one of those big commercial guys that goes and, and pollinates, you know, but that's, that's so far, I believe, you know, down the road, you know, I don't believe that I have enough knowledge to do that yet. And from all the people that I talk to, you really need to be able to, to raise a, a significant amount before, you know, you're, you're able to do that because, you know, the one big expense is you can fit 408 hives deeps, double deeps, you know, with two, when I say double deeps, two deep boxes full of bees uh, to California on a truck. And if you're coming from about Dallas, Texas to uh, almond orchards, it's going to cost you about $10,000 to ship them. Whoa. And so, you know, you, you're going to make way more than $10,000 being out there. But at the same time, you're having to, one, you have a big inventory. You've got a lot of bees. Um, and it takes time to get there, especially if you're going to, you know, if, if you just go out and you have a lot of money laying around and you can go buy 408 hives or 200 hives and split them and do that, then yeah, that's, that's the route um, that you can go. Um, but I believe that if you're, for me, I think that you would need one, either be in close relationship with a commercial guy or work with a commercial guy. That's kind of the, the way that you want to go. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know several commercial guys from my area that would, if I decided that's what I wanted to do, I believe that, that they would help me along the way uh, just because I built a, a good relationship with them. I went to school uh, with one of them, you know, but I believe that's, that's a, a ways down the road. You know, I want to, I want to try to, to, to build from the ground up, you know, and, you know, one, I don't have the, I don't have the the pockets to go out and buy a truckload of bees, which would sell for, you know, 80 or $90,000, you know, from the very start. Yeah. So if you're going to go buy a truckload of bees that are coming from the almond fields, because they do, they sell them, they sell them every year coming back, you know, to cut their costs so they don't have to transport the bees back themselves. And so they just sell them out there because they've already made the money from uh, the almond orchards. So they just sell whatever, you know, they might sell 2000 hives so that they cut one, they make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars off the truck and they don't have to ship them back because then you have to pay for shipping once you buy them. And so, you know, they'll, they'll do that. You know, if you have the money to do that and that's something that you're interested in, man, I think it's, it's a, it's a very, very, uh, one, it's a very, uh, great business to be in, but you know, two, it's also a, a, a pretty cool, business to be in as well. And if that's something that you want to just jump into, I wouldn't suggest it if you had never been around bees before. And then you're, I mean, you will be swimming in bees and have no clue what you're looking at and panic mode will set in. And then you'll look up and all your bees are gone and you'll have no clue what, what just happened. And so for me, I'm, I'm pretty detail oriented. And so I want to know exactly what's going on before I make the next step. You know, I, I, I try to be calculated in all that I do. And so for me, just jumping in, you know, it kind of scares me like, man, I don't I don't want to go spend eighty thousand dollars and have no clue what I'm doing. You know, I'd 60, like to, six hundred to seven hundred dollars a hive, just just keeping it around here, not transporting. That's still pretty good money for, for a beekeeper. Right. Oh, yes. 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 Especially if you're doing it on the side. I mean, like I said, I, I check them two times a month, you know, and just just to make sure that there's do they need any space? Do I need to give them more room? Do I need to add another box? I mean, it's really nothing uh, too detailed. You know, with two hives, I can go through two hives in 15, 20 minutes. Space-wise, how, how much space do people need for bees? I mean, do you need like one acre per hive? How, how much? Like how many hives can you fit on an acre? Well, they usually say you can, in an acre, you can fit probably, you know, six to seven hives per acre. Yeah. And so, you know, people, you know, people have them in their backyards, you know, people, hmm. I mean, you can put them anywhere. Cause yeah. when you're out here, you, we're, we're talking about, 
um, you know, we have our lane that we're going to be building our permaculture orchard in. Yeah. And you said that we could have one just about at every one of our fence posts. And yeah. that would be a lot of hives. And yeah. could you saw our lane. Could it go on both sides or just one side? Yeah, you could have them all full. And so with our, you know, I, I went out and worked with a, uh, a beekeeper, a commercial bee, uh, beekeeper one time just to kind of walk through and, and just kind of see how it is. And they had these, they had these yards that were right across the street. Well, in this pasture, it was probably 60 acres, I would say, maybe a hundred acres in this pasture. And they had right around 200 hives in this hive or in this pasture. And then right across the street, I mean, right across the street, the highway, there's probably another, you know, 500 acres. And it was, they had them spread out, but they would have like 200 here and 200. I mean, you can fit all these bees in a pretty condensed area. Do you have to do anything to protect them? Uh, no, I mean, maybe if you had cows, you could put a fence around them. But, you know, when you have that many hives in a certain area, those cows find out pretty quick that they don't want to go over there and ruffle those things up. Wow. Interesting. So there's, there's a lot of potential in bees because, you know, everybody's on this save the bees kick because like you said, 70% of our food is pollinated by bees. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interest in it. Most people don't know about it. I have no, I, I had no idea. I was thinking, okay, you know, you get a bee box, you get like a pound or two and, you know, you just keep it for you, but wow. So you're talking, you know, almost a hundred pounds per box. The commercial guys, how much do you think they produce per box? Oh man. Oh, per box. I would say they're, they're averaging, they're averaging probably 60 to 70 pounds per box. Wow. In a good year, in a good year, probably 60 to 70 per box. Well, I mean, and that's moving them around and everything. Yes. Well, that's, and, and that's, Per site, I would say, you know, they would go to the Houston area. They're probably getting uh, 60, 70, probably 100 pounds for that month they're in Houston. And then when they go up to North Dakota, I mean, you could see anywhere between 100 to 200 pounds uh, per hive. And so, you know, I would say total, I would say total, you're probably looking at an average, you know, if you're 60 or 70 down there and about 100 or 150 up north i would say because you're going to have you're going to have hives that just absolutely explode and do you know 200 pounds or whatever and then you might have a hive that doesn't do anything and gets 60 total Mm -hmm. so i would say coming out a, a good a good season for those commercial guys going from you know if they're in houston i mean there's obviously there's several different places around the world. These are just the ones that I know of just from yeah. talking to people that, you know, an average between those two places, good and bad would you would probably looking around somewhere about 160 pounds of honey per hive. I would say. Talk to me about the harvesting process of honey. I mean, what do you have to do to actually, you know, get it from the bees? So, um, you know, for me as a, as a, as a hobby guy, you know, I would find someone in my, you know, my local bee club that has, you know, a small extractor. And so they, you put each frame, you know, you you wipe off the frame or kind of cut into the, use like a pitchfork or what, not a pitchfork, but it's like a, a, a hot knife, a cutting knife. And you cut off the, you cut off the, I guess if the frame is like this and you're holding it and the comb is out, you know, it's off the frame a little bit. Okay. You no, know, it sticks out. So if the if the frame is running like this, I guess I'll use my phone. If the frame is running like this, then the comb sticks out about this far off of the plastic foundation. And so what you do is you take that hot knife and you just run it along that plastic foundation and cut off all that extra stuff. Interesting. And so what happens is you then you stick that whole frame in the extractor because all you did was cut off the very end of that honeycomb. And so now the honey is just going to flow out. So then you stick it into extractor and then it spins it really fast. And then all that honey goes against the side, falls down. You put a strainer at, or like a, a filter or something at the bottom. You raise the little thing at the bottom and then the honey just pours into a bucket or into, you can do it into their little bear uh, cups or anything. And it's ready to eat. 
Yeah. And so then those big commercial, yeah. And then those big commercial guys, you know, they have those, those assembly lines where they just put a frame on it, cuts it in a knife, and then it goes into this 120 frame extractor. That's just this massive, you know, barrel and it just spins them for, you know, two or three minutes, all that honey falls out and then the frames come out the other end and then they just put them back in the boxes and take them out back out to the yard. Wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy system, but if someone has one of those, I mean, people would do it all the time where they just cut it off, stick it into like a, uh, a mesh bag. I forgot what those, maybe a, I'm trying to think what those bags are called, but it's, it's, you can strain through it. And so you just stick all that honeycomb in a bag and it keeps all the comb here. And then it just kind of strains it and you can even put it on a filter. And then that filter strains it even more to where you're getting that pure honey and none of the wax or, or anything inside the honey. Wow. So like you can just crunch it up in that little bag and it just drips, just drips all the way out. And this is something that people can just add onto their farm, add onto their homestead or whatever they want. They want to call it. And it's super easy. Doesn't take up much space or time really beneficial for you. And you know, you can make quite a bit of money. It seems like from it. Yes. And I would, you know, I would say on any farm, you know, you need your high, you need your beehive on, on any, I think that just kind of completes, kind of completes the farm. If you got, you've got cattle and chickens and, and ducks and whatever, I just think have, even if you had one or two, you know, like that's a, well, let's, I'm going to go out and, and get some honey for my coffee or something, or have some honey around for your coffee. And I just, for me, it's like, ah, I, I, I enjoy, I mean, yes, I'd love to make some money off of it. Mm-hmm. And I hope to one day make some money off of it, but I actually enjoy doing it. And I think that's that the best that's, part. yeah, I think that that's, you know, I, I, I tell my wife all the time, I go, man, I'd love to do this as a full-time job. I don't, I can't do that right now, but I just enjoy doing it. It's, you know, I'm not very good at golf. I'm not, you know, I've done, I've played sports my whole life and I needed something out of that kind of sporting realm and, man, I just fell in love with it and enjoy being out there. So do you see your, do you see yourself being able to sell honey in the somewhat near future? Yeah, I think I'll be able to to sell some this year. Uh, I think I've got a good enough head start. Like I said, I'm about to make some splits. I'm, I'm hoping, maybe I'm hoping a little bit too much. I'm, I'm thinking I can get five. I can make, go from two to five. Uh, but I think I can at least go to four. And so can you ship the honey? Yes, What's the restrictions yes. on that? Oh, yeah. Is there any? No, no, you can you can ship the honey. Wow. So I, I guess I better I guess I guess I better check the restriction on that before I say yes or no. But I would figure that it it would be just like you know it's All a part the of the, law the kind of thing. The, the cottage, yeah, the cottage laws that you can that you can sell that stuff. Wow. So that's you. You have me very intrigued now because yeah. you know what we everything that we have going on here. It doesn't take much time, which I like. It doesn't take much space, which I like. Yeah. We have the the we we. The nitrogen fixtures that we're using in the permaculture orchard are honey locusts, which should yeah. produce, you know, tons of honey. And it just seems like it just fit into that symbiotic, you know, framework of, you know, we don't want to create a farm here. We want to create an ecosystem. We're just adding something that the ecosystem really needs, which is a funny thing because the first year that we were here, we've only been here a year and almost a month now. Yeah. The first year that we were here, I saw one honeybee on our property. There was, there was none. There was, we had wasps, we had this, we had that, but I didn't see any honeybees. I saw the first one I saw, I made me go, wow, you know, I haven't seen any of these around here this year. I mean, it's just like an explosion of them. I don't know what happened, but I'm going, Hey, if bees like it around here, cause we're not, I don't know if it has something to do cause we're not spraying, you know, kind of anything, you know, doing everything more natural, doing everything, you know, quote unquote organic, but no certification. And it's just something that I really think that we might move into. I know Nicole really wants to move into it. And you're the person that I'm going to be asking a ton of questions to. Yeah. Well, it's, man, it's, I, it's very rewarding. I, th- I think it's very rewarding. You know, everything that you like, you know, being there for two and a half weeks ago, you know, you get to see the fruit of your labors. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, you know, as a, as a, as a man, especially in this time, you don't really, you know, we're, we're so disconnected from agriculture or we have been for so long. Exactly. It's, it's, a, I believe it's a part of our blood and I believe it's something that, that our, that our human nature, you know, longs for is that, man, I, 
the fruit of your labor is really showing off. Whether you go down and, and, and cut down a tree and you, and you make it into firewood or you do anything around your place or you're going out. You know, I was having this conversation with someone a couple of days ago about him just going out and doing yard work and sitting on his lawnmower and then picking weeds in his uh, in his flower bed. And he was like, man, it was so rewarding. I was like, you're you know, connected to, you know, the earth, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that that's kind of our, our, you know, one, it's our pastime from an agrarian society for, from all these years. But I think it kind of just, it reconnects us to, you know, how society is supposed to be. And I think when we do that, it's like, man, this is actually, you know, I feel like it's a, it's a connection. Like you said, it's a connection to the world around us. It's, no, it's just good to see slow down. people, you know, get back into, you know, farming. I mean, the, I, I heard a quote, I don't know how long, I don't know who said it. I almost want to say it was Ty Lopez. I'm not a hundred percent sure, you know, with the, all the changeover that's going on in the world, you know, there's no such thing as job security anymore. There's no such thing as business security. I mean, just look at this pandemic going on. It's crazy. What the quote was is if you want your job to be around, for another 2000 years, was it around 2000 years prior? And if it is, you know, you're talking about carpenters, plumbers, you know, just, you know, tax people, unfortunately, if your job was around 2000 years ago, it's probably going to be around for another 2000 years. And if somebody wants more job security, more business security, this is something that I think people need to look into because you know what, it's here. And that's kind of, you know, you, the, what you, I was so fascinated by going out to your place and, and seeing all the things that you're doing and, and seeing the pictures of your grass, someone else's grass, you know, the same, the same, you know, piece of property basically that just cut in line with a fence and how different your side of the fence was as compared to your neighbor's fence, just from the practices that you've put in. And then, you know, like you said, I mean, like you said, it's job security, you know, for me as a beekeeper, you know, can I make money off of it? Yes. If the world, if the, you know, if everything went crazy, would I have enough, be able to make enough money with beekeeping with two hives? Probably not. But at the same time, you have a foundation. There's, there's, there's a foundation to do something there. And at the end of the day, if we want to continue to eat, there's, you need bees to pollinate the food that everyone eats. And so, for me, it's like, well, I have a little bit of job security. If something happens, man, I can dive headfirst into this beekeeping thing and help a lot of people. Well, I mean, that's really, that's really, I think, where people need to be going back to instead of, you know, being in the, you know, warehouses or in an office or whatever. It's just more rewarding. It's just something that you can see by just by talking to you how much you enjoy it. And just you get you get a lot out of it. And it's just, it's really cool to see. Well, thank you. Well, that's uh, that's about it. We have uh, just a couple minutes left. We want to keep it to about an hour. But uh, you guys, uh, you and your your wife are expecting your first child here uh, in about, uh, what, a couple weeks now? Yeah, we're down to the, we're down to the nitty gritty. We're about four weeks out. So, man, wow. it's, my world is about to change so much. Wow. Well, congratulations on thank that. You. And if people want more of you, how do they find you? Uh, you can find me YouTube, Boomers Bees, uh, Instagram, Boomers Bees, uh, no apostrophe, just just one word, B-O-O-M-E-R-S, Bees. Um, so I try to I try to stay up on it. I do have a day job, so I get a little bit uh, behind sometimes, you know, but I have fun. And like I said earlier, you know, all the mistakes that that I make, everyone sees it firsthand. I try not to hide anything. I mean, I do edit the film to where I'm, I'm not sitting there staring at a, a frame trying to look at it for 20 minutes. But if I'm looking at it and I, if I say something in the middle of it and I have no clue what's going on, that's pretty much in the video. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you have access to a little bit of acreage now where you keep your bees, correct? Yeah, we have uh, a family has a little bit over 63 acres. Uh, just my, south of Dallas. My question is, did I sell you on Longhorns? Man, I'm I'm sold. I'm sold on some Longhorns. And I think I, once my father once my father-in-law comes out there, you're gonna have another one sold on some Longhorns too. <laughs> That's gonna be awesome. See some bees, see some Longhorns out in the field because you gotta use it. You gotta use exactly. you know grow them out there. You know that's two sources of income just off of that. Real easy that you could definitely you know 
you know, expand on. And I see you getting out of your day job and moving into into this real quickly and you'll be able to spend more time with that little kid of yours coming on the way. Exactly. Boy or girl? Surprise. It's going to be a surprise. Yep. The wife, the wife wanted a surprise. So I said, yes, ma'am. And, (laughs) and we'll roll with it. Names. Well, right now, I, right now it's, it's hard to tell. I don't, I don't, I think I'd get in trouble if I said any names right now. Uh (laughs) Okay. Better not do that then. Well, Boomer, it was a pleasure having you get you on. Um, Would love to do a follow-up with the one uh, follow-up podcast with you soon. Cause see where you're at, see where, you know, you're going with this. Cause I think that you're going to, I think that your, your channel, especially watching some of the videos that you put up is one of the better ones, especially on beekeeping on, on, on YouTube. So it's something that, you know, hopefully, you know, I have access to kind of text you every once in a while. I might need a advice if we decide to jump in, but for everybody else, you know, they can go on, you know, your channel and hopefully you can inspire a couple people to, to get into beekeeping as well. Man, I love to. And anytime someone, you know, anytime someone sends a comment on my on my feed, I usually re- respond right away. You know, because I like I like when when people respond to me. Whenever I, you know, I'm e- either, you know, putting a message on their YouTube or on their Instagram, I like I like it when people say stuff back. So I try to interact with anybody who asks a question. And like I said, I I love to help no matter what it is. Awesome, awesome. Well, go over there to Boomer's channel. Let them let them know that you're coming over from us. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Thanks, everybody. And have a great night.